All right, Troop, strong and conditioned, live and direct from the Chateau du Bopi. And tonight I am very honoured, very honoured to have someone who would be described as a fitness OG, which I think is a, <laughs> a, is a funny term nowadays. A fitness OG. It's Mr. Alan Thrall. Alan, you have the same name as one of my uncles. How are you, brother? I'm doing great. Thank you so much for having me. Glad we were able to connect. Uh, absolute pleasure. Absolute pleasure. Because this happened quite impromptu. It was, it was something I wasn't really expecting. So once again, I'm very honoured to have you on. Now, I like to start the conversation with the origins of your journey. And when I say your journey, I mean the, 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 the beginning of your fitness journey, regardless of what age, not when you started YouTube or when you started like running your gym, but your fitness journey. Can you please give us a brief rundown, Alan? Yeah, of course. Uh, I think to start and then we'll go from, you know, wherever I leave off. Uh, I grew up with, I have four brothers, so there's five of us, uh, no sisters. Um, so we were all outside quite a bit. Um, and I think the first thing <clears throat> that I look back on it would be riding our bikes, riding our bikes around. My dad would take us on bike rides when we were very young. If we were too young to ride a bike, we'd be in a little you know, saddle behind him. But we'd ride our bikes and we'd go to the river and it had uh, a bike trail up and down big hills. And I remember uh, we would ride for for hour for a few hours, uh, which is a long time as a kid to ride your bike. Uh, and we would ride up and down these hills, and we'd race up and down the hills. And I remember at a very young age feeling uh, a leg pump, feeling my legs being pumped and exhausted just from pedaling so hard. Uh, and you know, even maybe when I was a little bit older, I don't know how much it occurred when I was really young, I would feel some soreness in my legs. Uh, so I was having some some resistance training going on when I was very young. So I would say that was racing bikes around town, I would say would be the start where it all started. And it could be somewhat of an explanation as to why my legs are a little bit more developed now uh, as I'm older. Um, but I think then it eventually moved into skateboarding. And I think that skateboarding was where my desire to chase performance started because I wanted to get better at skateboarding and I would practice over and over and over. Uh, and I would watch old skateboard VHF VHS videos and I would be motivated and inspired and want to do that. Um, so I think that's where the physical fitness started as well as maybe even some performance influence. Yeah. What age were you when you were cycling with your family? As a, uh, I can't, I can't even remember when, because I, I, like I said, we would, we would ride with my dad in the, in the saddle in the back, the back seat attached to the, his bike. And then whenever we had our own bike, um, you know, we would go along for the bike ride. And, uh, I remember it was kind of like, you know, ducks in a line, we'd go on these busy streets in order to get to the river access. And we'd be following him, you know, one in one in a line, uh, on a busy street on a small, a small, not even a sidewalk, but a small bike lane. And he's shouting at us back there, you know, we're turning right. And like, he's, he keeps looking back to make sure we're all still there. Um, so, so I couldn't even tell you, um, five, maybe, uh, five. when we were able to start riding a bike. Yeah. Um, because it, it's quite interesting that you experienced the doms at that really early age, because it's something that I don't really, 
equate with childhood. I felt that DOMS was something you experienced as you moved later into life, particularly your teenage years. So it that could have been, it could have been just a uh, just tired legs. Uh, you know, I don't think then I said my my you know my legs are sore. What is this? But I I do remember at a young age, uh, you know, asking my dad. You know, my legs are my legs are tired, or my legs are a little bit you know slow today. Um, it wasn't much. I'm sure that recovery when you're six years old is quite a bit different than 36. You know. Yeah, I I don't think recovery is a factor when you're that age. <laughs> right. Yeah. I mean, when when was the last time you cycled? Um. I did it quite a bit uh, last year. I actually, I haven't been doing it lately, but last year when I was running, when I started running quite a bit more and I would cycle. Uh, so I would ride my bike mainly as transport. Um, so I would ride my bike to the gym, home from the gym. And then sometimes if I had more time, I'd take the long way home. And so that was it. I, I, I'm not crazy about riding or I would cycle with my family. I have a toe behind that I put my kids in and I'll, I'll pull them along. Yeah, um, on like yeah. a Sunday afternoon, but I don't, I don't really enjoy cycling for, for exercise. Um, I feel like it's, it's just more time consuming than running. I can go run for 20, 20 to 30 minutes. It's a killer cardio workout. Um, I could go bike for 20 to 30 minutes and just be downhill the whole time, you know, and not, not pedal much. So I feel like it's uh, more time consuming. Um, so when you do go cycling, do you encounter any hills uh, around, around town. Yeah. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. But it's not, all, it's not too much. You'd have to go, I'd have to go find them to get the real tough hills. Yeah. I just find that Scotland has some of the most unforgiving terrain when it comes to cycling. And I actually got down the cycling rabbit hole for about a year. I just went hardcore cyclist. I bought all the equipment. And it was one of the most uh, brutalizing training experiences that I've ever went through. And the reason I asked is because when we cycle, we usually have that childhood memory, which we are like using when we jump on the bike. Because when we are younger, we can just cycle anywhere. Absolutely anywhere. You don't experience any fatigue. You've got that child energy it's just boundless it's like a duracell bunny and then when you fast forward 30 years later you go on a bike and you you think it's going to be the same and you jump on that bike and you encounter your first hill and it is a dose of reality and it's also one of those things when you realize that your fitness is just not what it should be yeah so freeing about riding a bike when you're young um, being able to, to go explore on your own and you get a little bit of that when you do start cycling. Uh, but as soon as it starts getting hard and tough, you're not focused on exploring or scenery. You're just looking straight down at the tire thinking this is brutal. And then one thing that's challenging about bike riding is that you don't, you can't slow down. Maybe if you got some flat spots, you can slow down your pedal, but at least with running, if I hit a hill, I can just kind of, you know, putter up it and slow my pace, but you've got to keep moving the bike or else you're going to go back down the hill. Uh, so it's challenging. There's really no let up on a, on a bike. Yeah. yeah. Not, not only is it challenging, but it's like, 
cycling is one of those few sports where you realize how important nutrition really is because when you are cycling for really long distances you are literally burning everything that's in your stomach and it will come to the point where you have nothing in your system and that can be very dangerous because you will experience something which i think they call bonking which is when you hit that wall and you have nothing in your body and when you've been cycling you could be 50 miles from home and you need to acquire nutrition and wait for it to digest and then get back on your way and unfortunately that's happened to me in a couple of occasions and it's probably one of the most scariest experiences I've ever had in the world of fitness. But listen, I'm rambling on you. You've got me down the cycling rabbit hole because I really do enjoy cycling. It's, a, it's something that I think most people should do at some point to experience a different facet of hard training. Because when you compare... Like, so let's talk about running. Let's go on to running and how you equate that with lifting weights in the gym because running can be quite brutal as well. How did you get into running again because i believe you've got a military background which i assume you would have did a lot of running yes uh so more recently i would say it was last year specifically i would i was running with some performance goals i actually did a couple of races um and i don't i think part of it was well i know part of it was when my when my son was born i started running a little bit more but particularly when my daughter was born um uh, she's, she's, uh, less than two years old. She's a little over a year and a half. And so it was about, about that time that, uh, my workouts were becoming very brief. And so I had to figure out a new routine. Um, and so I would lift weights or I would, you know, in the garage or I would do push-ups, or I would just do lunges or pull-ups. I would do these sort tidbits of workouts throughout the day. And I think running, um, was another thing that I added to that routine. And so I started running again. Uh, when my daughter was born and I kind of took it as a challenge to myself, just to challenge the idea that you can't lift weights and you can't run at the same time. Um, and so I just wanted to see, why don't I just test it for myself? Uh, and to be honest, when I went and ran one mile, I just was so surprised at how pathetic it was, you know, how, how hard it was to run for five minutes, five minutes, not even a mile, but five minutes unbroken, you know, I'm running five minutes and I'm wanting to stop already. And I think, we often talk about, you know, being physically capable. We go to the gym. Sorry, this flies bothering the heck out of me. We go to the gym uh, to lift weights and to do pull-ups and to do push-ups so that we're functional. Um, you know, we'll, people will say, you know, it makes me harder to kill, et cetera. Uh, <laughs> but we can't even run a mile. You know, it's pretty, it's pretty, pretty bad. So I include running in that toolbox of physical ability. And so it was just eye-opening when I went and ran a mile and realized how difficult it was. So I said, I'd like to at least get this better. Surely running a mile a couple times a week is not going to just zap muscle off my body or take strength away. Like, that's just silly. Um, so I just started running, uh, and I would run twice a week. I would run for one, like one mile at first, and then one and a half miles, and then two miles uh, two times a week. Um, and so I would just kind of ramp that up over time. But that was the start of the of running. And then I just kind of fell back in love with it. And I said, Hey, I want to try to do a race, a 10 K race, a 10 mile race. And so I started actually having some performance goals of doing these races. Yeah. Yeah. And I think part of the inspiration did come from 
originally when I first started um, exercise and my, and, you know, any sort of fitness journey and any sort of training, running was the foundation. I measured my physical fitness based on how, how quickly I could run or how far I could run. It wasn't how much could I bench press? How much could I squat? It was running. So I played, you know, after biking, after, uh, skateboarding, I eventually got into playing football and I measured my performance as a football player and how, how far and how fast I could run. The better I got at running, the better I was at being a football player. So that was the foundation of me developing any sort of physical ability. So I've always enjoyed it. Um, and there was a time after high school when I stopped lifting weights and I got really into running. That's all I did. I ran five days a week and I would run long distance, 10 to up to 20 miles. Um, and I did that for about a year and that was before I had joined the military. And so in the military, I did really well on all the running tests. Uh, running was a breeze for me and boot camp and through training. And then I stopped doing it once I really bought into powerlifting and strongman. And this, this, uh, I was lured into the idea of bulking, lifting a bunch of weight, getting big. Um, and so I would started bulking, started lifting for strength, started doing powerlifting and just completely, uh, abandoned running, which I'm not, I'm not regretful of, but that's just part of the story. Um, and so I picked it back up. So uh, I noticed you said you, you, you adopted the strategy of just like running for distance and then slowly increasing the distance over time. D do you feel that was an effective strategy for building an aerobic base or do you think you could have did something else? You're talking about when I said I'm going to start running one mile a couple times a week. Yeah. Is that what you're referring to? Yeah. Yeah. So I'm going I, back. Yeah. I just went to, uh, that's the standard. That's the goalpost. I'll just do one mile. I'm not going to stress about trying to increase that time. As I do it more and more, it'll just get, you know, relatively easier. And once I say, man, this is a breeze, this is very easy. I'm mainly focusing on just developing the capability to run for, you know, however long it would take me, 10 minutes. Yeah. Uh, unbroken. So getting my knees and, and ankles and calves used to it, my feet yeah. used to it. So that's all that it was um, yeah. when I originally started. And I didn't have any sort of goal or determination or motivation to increase that speed. I just said, I want to make this, I just want this to be easier over time. And surely enough, it did. And at that point I said, okay, now I can run a little bit faster. Now I'll run a little bit farther. So I just went off of that. And it was really freeing to not have any sort of expectations. Um, yeah. you know, uh, uh, I didn't set any sort of expectations. It was just, I'm going to do this. I'm going to stick with it. Uh, and over time it'll just get easier. And it was sad. Yeah. It was satisfying when it did get easier. Yeah. Were you forced to look at new training methods and just other ways of getting that dose of training into your life when your children were born? As far as running or anything? Anything. Yeah. Um, I think that when my, when my children were born and I knew that training was going to change, I, uh, I actually changed my goals or my approach to training before I would say I have this routine. It's three to four days per week. I'm going to stick to it uh, no matter what I actually decided I'm going to start now that I have, uh, my son and my daughter, I'm going to start training even more. And so when I say more, I don't mean necessarily in volume, but frequency. Yeah. I'm yeah, going to do yeah. something every day yeah. because it's difficult to stick to three days a week, two-hour sessions. Yeah, uh, It's hard to carve out those blocks of time. And 
I needed to be flexible because life can be unpredictable with two, a toddler and a newborn in the house. And so if I had this strict schedule of I left for two hours on Wednesday and that goes out down the drain, something comes up. Now I missed an entire session uh, and I might not be able to make it up. So what I wanted to do was I'm going to do something every single day, whether that was 20 minutes, 30 minutes, 10 minutes or five minutes. Uh, whenever I had an opportunity to do something, I would, I would do it. And so that was my, that was my approach. Uh, and it, it let me know, it taught me a lot of things that I don't, I can actually maintain what I have with, with quite minimal training. Um, and there were a lot of parts of it that were challenging. I was yeah. becoming very comfortable with my routine and it was easy in a sense. This yeah. was challenging. Um, and so I just continued, you know, running with that. Did you plan this out accordingly or was it something you kind of fell into? Definitely fell into. So there were times, especially the first week of having a newborn is always wild, um, <laughs> as you know. And so I, uh, there were times when we had a, a, a frozen meatloaf. I remember, the, I think the first day back when we had brought the, my daughter back. Um, it was actually a bit easier to train with just my son, but once I had yeah. my son and my daughter, and I couldn't imagine, don't you have four kids? <laughs> I've got three. Three, yeah. So uh, it just gets you know more and more uh, complex as you add kids. But when <laughs> when I brought my when we brought my daughter home, um, there was uh, a time the first day I put a frozen meatloaf in the oven, and it had to cook for whatever thirty minutes. Um, and so during during the time that it was cooking, I'm sorry, during the time that it was cooking, I went in the garage and I said I have a pair of rings in the garage, and I said I'll do uh, push ups and pull ups for 10 minutes while the meatloaf's cooking. Uh, so just things like that, any opportunity. Um, there were times when my son would take a nap and then my daughter would take a nap unexpectedly. They're asleep. And I would say, well, I could, I could sleep right now for, you know, 30 minutes. Uh, I would rather just work out. I'm tired, but doing the 30 minutes of sleep is not going to help me. And in fact, it's going to be really hard to wake up from that 30 minute nap. So I'm just, <laughs> I'm just going to do a workout instead. Uh, yeah. So the tip of uh, sleep when the baby sleeps, uh, yes and no. Um, so anyways, it was just any opportunity I had, I would do something. And it, it did start out as lots of push-ups, um, pull-ups in the garage. I remember one time my daughter, I was kind of rocking my daughter, um, trying to get her to sleep. She wouldn't sleep on her own. And uh, just, to, just taking a nap during midday. And uh, as I'm walking back and forth in the house, I'm thinking, I say, I, I recorded this actually uh, um, on and put it on YouTube. But as I'm walking back and forth in the house, I thought, I'm just going to start doing some lunges. And so uh, I did 100 lunges. I just do lunges, 10 lunges down, 10 back, 10 yeah. down, 10 back. And it was hard. <laughs> but uh, <laughs> but I just did 100 lunges while, while I'm holding on to her. And she, yeah. she actually fell asleep. Um, yeah. so it was just things like that. Uh, there were times when I would take my son on a walk. There's a, uh, we'd walk down to this local school with a hill and uh he's running around doing his own thing and i thought i'm just going to do squat jumps up this hill uh up and, and then walk down squat jumps up this hill walk down so it was just uh anything at any time i would do and i would yeah. try to i would try to front load all of my activity meaning do as much of it as i can now and not ever put it off i'm not going to say i could do something right now but you know I'll just do my hour workout later because I never yeah. know if that's going to stay. And so I would yeah. try to front load it. And there were times when I got a lot of physical, physical activity in by lunchtime, 
And I'm yeah. thinking, now I don't have to stress about when am I going to get a workout in? Cause I've already done it. Uh, yeah. So I just get it. I do it when I can. Um, yeah. plus I just tend to enjoy working out earlier in the day. Um, but there were plenty of times where I had to do it at night. Um, but just being adaptable. And as far as mindset goes, uh, being flexible and not so rigid. So there were times when I'm looking ahead and I'm like, okay, noon, I'm going to go in the garage and I'm going to get a good workout in for whatever reason. Um, and then at noon, noon comes and something changes and my emotion wants to be frustrated that I can't do my workout. And I just had to learn from my learn. Yeah. It doesn't help anything. It doesn't help anything yeah. at all. Just, I'm just pissed off and frustrated and I still don't get to work out. So why don't I just forget about it? Go with the flow. So I really had to be able to switch. I had yeah. patience. It didn't happen. Yeah. Be patient. Be patient. So now I'm not yeah. going to get to. I'll have to do it later. And there were times where I would got I would get through an entire day. It's 10 p.m. Both of the kids go down to sleep. And I finally am like, man, that's just been a nonstop day. Now I'm going to do my workout. Um, so so yeah. Um, that was kind of my whole mindset approach to to once I had two kids. Yeah. How did you find making that transition from something that's very routine based, like powerlifting, strongman, where you know that you've got to do something to something that's more calisthenics based, laissez faire, just on the fly? How did you make that mental transition? Because, like for me personally, it was that was a, a massive obstacle because I had been drinking the the, the freeway Kool Aid for years, and I thought nothing else works, nothing else will work for me. But obviously, the opposite happened. I found that it was enhancing things. How did you make that transition mentally? I think that I do like a challenge. And so I just took it as a challenge to say, I want to see what I can do. I also want to see, once this is all said and done, I want to see how, much, how, much, how impacted I am. And sure enough, you know, six months down the road from each of my children, six months down after they were, you know, newborns, I was right back to where I was I, as if I didn't skip a beat. Um, sure. Getting back to the weights, uh, the, the, my weight, my strength might've been a little bit less, but I didn't necessarily lose any muscle. I didn't, uh, get gain a bunch of body fat. I didn't lose a bunch of performance. And so I really challenged myself to say, I want to see, you know, how I am on the other side of this. Um, and I also, I took it as a challenge because there have been many dads before me who have made it work. And so I thought, well, now I get to, I get, you know, to try my hand at this. Um, and with any challenge and struggle, you gain experience. And I do, I do, uh, often talk to dads and I can't, before I was a dad, I couldn't offer him much advice. Yeah. I could, uh, speculate, maybe this will work, you know, try doing this, but I didn't actually, I've never been in their shoes. So I thought, okay, I'm going to go through it myself so that I can help other people, or I can at least give my experience. And I'm sure you've heard it time and time again, the, the parent or specifically the dad who is overweight, sedentary, and they talk of uh, old times, you know, when I one time back when I lifted or, um, you know, back when I was in shape, I used to be able to do this. I used to be able to do this, but I had kids, you know, uh, you know, having kids, you know, you, you don't, uh, you know, you don't get it. You won't get it. Um, and I couldn't really say much at the time, uh, but there were plenty of people that I talked to that would say, you know, it's been uh, 10 years since I've been in a gym or done anything physically active. 
uh, and uh, it's because I had kids and I just did not want that for myself. I just yeah. thought I don't want to give into that. Um, yeah. I want to see if it's possible. If you can maintain a little bit of routine, um, believe it or not, you can be a little bit selfish as a parent uh, to yeah. carve out that time for yourself. And I want, again, I wanted to see how, what it was like going through that and to see how I was on the other side of that. Um, yeah. And, uh, and yeah, so it was, it, there was a, a, a part of me every time I would say, man, I really don't want to work out. I'd rather just go to sleep right now. Yeah. Uh, I would just, uh, you know, slap myself in the face and say, don't give into it. Don't do it. I would see these flashbacks of all these guys saying, just wait until your dad, you won't have time for this. You won't have time for that. And you're going to do this. And you know, you're going to, you got to let go of that. And I would just, uh, I would just hear them saying it in my head. So I would kind of have this, uh, this back and forth to say, I'm not going to buy into that. I'm going to, I'm going to prove myself wrong, prove them wrong, whoever. So that was, that was certainly motivation. And, uh, yeah, I, I realize it takes a certain type of individual to think like that, but that's just how yeah. I think. Uh, yeah. And there are times when I do get comfortable in my routine, everything starts feeling easy. Going to the gym is fine. Nutrition is fine. Sleep is fine. I like a little bit of chaos every once in a while. Yeah. Um, yeah. Sometimes yeah. that, that, uh, pushes me, um, and forces me to adapt and learn and gain some experience. Yeah. Do you think your military background like helps you in that process? I don't know. Uh, I think that I think I was the same type of person before I joined the military as after. And uh, I'm often asked that, you know, do you are you so do you still stick to a, uh, you know, strict exercise routine because of uh, the military? Do you enjoy waking up early because of the military? Do you like working out early because of the military? Yeah. Are you this way? Or are you that way? And uh, I would say no, because I was that way before. And that's why the, the idea of joining the military appealed to me. I was yeah. 19 years old and I, uh, I was lost. I didn't know what I wanted to do. And the idea of joining the military and joining the Marine Corps was, uh, was appealing. I thought I could do really well at this. Um, and so even, even back before the military, uh, you know, that phase when I would, when I was running and I wasn't really lifting weights, I would work a long job outside in the heat. Um, I would work 10 hour days doing labor. And even then I would still wake up sometimes as early as 3 a.m. because I'd have long, you know, 15 mile runs and yeah. I would wake up at 3 a.m., get my run done so that I can run before the sun comes up, go to work and then come home and like, you know, go to bed at 7 p.m. Um, but even then I would I was I would just do my exercise before a long day of work. Uh, and even into high school, the football team, it was mandatory. The varsity football team had to attend a weight training class that was like their physical education class the the weight training class was run by the football coach and it was uh, zero period so we had one two three four five six zero period would be before first period so you had to be there before everyone else um, and so that's when my weight training was and i i loved it i loved that routine so maybe that maybe that's what started it uh, but i've always been an early morning person i've always had some sort of physical activity in my life i've never ever taken a break from it Mm -hmm. And I've never wanted to. Um, yeah. And uh, so I would say that it, it didn't really, I think and this has nothing to do with physical fitness, but I think that the military taught me a lot more about who I don't want to be or how I, how I don't want to act 
uh, right. more so than who I actually wanted to be. Right. Okay. It was definitely a time. It was definitely a time to reflect on what I wanted to do. But what that what I mean without giving you ambiguous uh, uh, <laughs> signaling, I what I'm saying is I met there were a lot of people in the Marine Corps. Yeah. Who I just thought, I don't want to be like this. I don't want to be like that guy. Um, yeah. Uh, and so that, that taught me a lot. Um, mm -hmm. and so it was more reflective in that sense. So it didn't yeah. really, it did shape me, but it was more, it was more in that, in that, you know, thought process. Right. Okay. So I, I want you to speak about being the dad training, but you've took me down another avenue. What was the actual physical training that you did when you were in the military? What, what did it consist of mostly? Well, you go through boot camp and boot camp is extremely difficult. I think harder than the physical training yeah. is the is the non-stop. You're on your feet throughout the entire 16 hours non-stop these these extremely tight boots. Uh, so your yeah. feet take a beating. Um, and it's just always being on. You're always locked face forward you're always screaming something. You're always doing something at maximum intensity. Nothing is slow. You're being screamed at. You're being yelled at. You have to do this yeah. and that. And mentally it is so exhausting, even more yeah. so than physically. I think I showed up to boot camp above the physical activity that I needed. Um, yeah. and so I did really well in boot camp. So in boot camp, yeah, you're told everything. You're told what to do. You're told how to brush your teeth. You're told how many strokes to take. You're told, you'll tell you're, you're told, Wash your arm, your right armpit. Wash your left armpit. Wash your nutsack. Wash this. You're told everything. I'm serious. From when you're showering, yeah. when you're taking a dump, you're told like everything is just regimented. Then you move on to, I moved on to school of infantry and that is similar, but you have a little bit more independence. Yeah. Um, so, Hey, go take a shower. We don't need to watch you do that. Go yeah. brush your teeth. Uh, we're doing this PT. This is the period when I, when we did have some free time. So if it was a good day, you know, hey, 5 p.m., we're off for the day. Report yeah. back tomorrow morning. We still lived in the barracks on base, but it would be report back in the morning. Uh, you can have some free time. Maybe Saturday and Sunday, you guys have off. And yeah. so when I had this free time, this is when I actually fell back in love with lifting weights because I had taken a break since I graduated high school. Yeah. And so that was my me time was lifting weights. Yeah. And uh, um. And then eventually, once you're out of training, so you're done with the initial training, you're done with your you know specialized occupation training. Now you go into your job as a Marine. And as a platoon or as a group, wherever you're stationed, there's a little bit of um, physical training um, that you would do. But I was, I suppose, fortunate enough that I was in a, uh, a bit of a specialized detail. So we would work uh, basically like, shift training, security guard training. So you would stand post. So sometimes there were times when you would work day shift, 6 a.m. to 6 p.m., 12 hours straight, or 6 p.m. to 6 a.m., night shift. Then there were times when it would be uh, uh, rotating between like eight-hour shifts, three eight-hour yeah. shifts. You work morning, you work swing, you work night. And so because of that, all the Marines within the platoon always had different schedules. So we didn't do as much structured group physical training as nor as in the normal Marine Corps. So yeah. a lot of that stuff was on us. So at that time, uh, I was able to do my own training and, uh, I, I was really into lifting weights at the time I would still do, you know, running and stuff like that because we did have 
physical fitness tests and you would have to pass those tests. Um, but there wasn't a ton of, in my experience, there wasn't a tremendous amount of group structured training, especially when I got to my furthest, uh, uh, duty station. Um, yeah. it was all, it was all on you, um, uh, to do, to do your thing. So, so yeah. So to answer the question, not a whole lot of do this, do that. Once you're in the military, in your actual, um, platoon or duty station. Yeah, yeah. It, it, it sounds to me, I mean, I'm just making an assumption here that the, the initial boot camp exercise period is designed to be more of a mental building process as opposed to like actually getting your physical fitness up to an acceptable level. Uh, is that to sort of weed out the, 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 the people who they think won't do too well in a military setting or is that just like a integral part of the process to create a better it is, it is absolutely uh, you, what you said was spot on um, it is to test your your bearing especially you get extremely fatigued and worn down and beat up and uh, mentally exhausted but you still have to maintain your bearing and do whatever job is in front of you or follow directions um, not you know lose it um, and it is, it is, all Marines are trained to be in a war setting, even though just yeah. hardly any Marines actually go and do that. Uh, but that is the main reason for it. It is to break you down. If you were to look at the stuff you do, it is, if you were designed a program to just break someone down physically and mentally, that's what it is. It's not like this is optimal science-based training, you know, uh, yeah. it's, uh, it's, it's, uh, just someone screaming and yelling at you, you know, drop down, like kind of a burpee, drop down, give me 10 pushups, get up. Yeah. jump get down get down roll on your back sit-ups go crunch like you're just down and up down and up down and up um and uh so it's it is to sure there are some people who go in there pretty soft um and not prepared physically they just have a really hard time in boot camp and they do make improvements obviously by the end of it but i wouldn't say that me because i said i was i was physically i think over prepared not that it's a bad thing but i was physically over prepared going into it I was not in better shape after boot camp. Um, I was skinny going into boot camp, and I lost quite a bit of weight. So I was probably less, you know, less functionally fit. Um, yeah. But uh, but the thing is, it's not really to weed anyone out because yeah. it is you are locked in government property on contract, and the, uh, there are a lot of people who want to be weeded out. Right? They get a month into it and they think I don't I don't want to do this, um, <laughs> but you can't quit. You can't yeah. just say I'm done. I surrender. Yeah, uh, you're locked in. You are owned by the military now, so you're just going to have a really hard time getting through it. There are a few people uh, within boot camp who refuse training, so it takes a long time. But if you just sit there and you just don't do anything, you don't respond to anything, you're just a you. You can get kicked out, but then you're going into civilian life with an with a dishonorable discharge. Yeah, uh, but you could refuse it. Um, yeah. they make it extremely hard. So it do, I think that they should have, they should allow dropouts because there'd yeah. be a lot more Marines who would drop out who shouldn't be in the Marine Corps in the first place. Yeah. Um, what happens is those turds who sign up for whatever reason, they do get through boot camp because they just get drugged through the mud the whole time. And then they get out and now they're turd Marines. Um, yeah. Not all Marines are sharp, you know, uh, physical yeah. specimens. Um, it's just like any, any occupation. 
Um, yeah. There are Marines who should not be, should not be Marines, uh, but they they're forced into it, you know, because they signed the contract. Um, so it's again, it's not to weed anyone out necessarily, uh, but it is to break you down mentally and just see if you can maintain your bearing. Yeah, yeah, it strikes a chord with me because I went through a, a long period of performing high rep boppies, like five hundred boppies, a thousand boppies all six count burpees and i found personally that there was a certain number you would go past and the law of diminishing returns would rear its ugly head it was nothing to do with any fitness based outcome or physical outcome it was just a mental grind i mean i truly believe that anyone can do a thousand burpees physically it's all mental based and yeah go ahead sorry I, it's another interesting thing I learned, and it was about something you said there, was that we perform a six-count burpee. Is that something you're familiar with? Yeah. Yeah, and I found out through like one of the podcasts I did with the Iron Wolf that the count is done so that you can think under pressure as well. Yes. So that when you start accumulating that high number while performing, I really demand an exercise. And keeping the focus on the reps while while shouting other numbers, it develops the the, the capacity to perform under pressure. So I yeah, thought absolutely. that was very interesting. But yeah, same thing with the there. same thing with the military. Um, and you'll have to even when you're tired, you have certain you have a certain way of talking in the military in well, in boot camp, and you have to maintain that. You can't talk like a civilian. And when a drill instructor asks you a question. Sometimes people respond like they're back in the hood, you know, and they'll get <laughs> they'll chewed out for it. Like, for example, you're not allowed to say I, uh, yeah. I, I, I am hungry or I need to talk. It's this recruit, this recruit needs this or this. First off, you have to request permission to speak. So this recruit requests permission to speak before you even ask something. But yeah, it'll be, uh, they'll be yelling at you and asking you a question. You'll say, you know, I'm, I'm this or I'm that. And you just get your ass kicked because you said I. So it's it is. There's a lot of stuff you have to know, and and same with counting. Uh, you have to yeah. count together, uh, and it also helps with um, accountability within the Marine Corps because if one person is dragging ass, um, and you are moving along your six count burpees or whatever it is, yeah. you have to slow down because of them, or you have to do more because they didn't do theirs, um, or you have to figure out a way to work together. So there is some uh, some teamwork built into that. But what, but what I was, what I was thinking when you had mentioned doing a thousand burpees, um, is that it's, it's a different type of physical training. And I have to remind people sometimes, uh, you know, at the gym that, um, not everyone is at the, not everyone is exercising to build bigger muscles. Not everyone is exercising for fat loss. Some people are exercising because it, uh, the way it makes them feel or some sort of therapy or some sort of someone just they just need a challenge in their life yeah and doing something like that you know if you were to say you know i'm going to do a thousand burpees a day people would say that what in the world are you trying to do that's not that's not optimal for this or that yeah uh, there are better ways to do this and you just think i just really really want to push myself i want to go there uh and it can be therapeutic same thing with like why run a marathon on your own it's just yeah. a challenge that you want to do why ride 50 miles away from your house and have to get back 50 miles. Um, yeah. It's a challenge. It's a venture. You want to see if you can do it. You want to push yourself to that, that uh, go the distance, if you will. And so yeah. I, yeah, I thought of that when you said, you know, you do a thousand burpees for, for yeah. a workout. Yeah. Well, I actually did, I did 2,500 one day 
for a charity that took me like five hours i was gonna say how long does that take yeah (laughs) yeah it took me about five and a half hours uh and yeah i I probably like started to uh revisit my relationship with taboppy at that point i went through (laughs) a a dark place at the end of that because when you do these things to that level that extreme it's like most people who run a marathon once they've run they've ran the marathon they don't run again right they're totally put off the experience Mm -hmm. yeah so uh, were weights encouraged in the military and why did you make that transition to lifting in the military i would say that weights weren't necessarily encouraged i wouldn't say they were discouraged um but yeah it's very old school approach running push-ups pull-ups sit-ups and uh kind of like you know calisthenic stuff uh, which is fine. And I do think it should be the base. Uh, but we never, we were never encouraged, hey, go to the gym and lift some weights. Uh, however, they have the military and the, especially the, well, the army has a new uh, fitness test with the, like the trap bar deadlift and things like that. Um, so they do, they do encourage strength more so now. Um, but, but yeah, in the military, we did have what was called a combat fitness test. And you had to do an am, you know, ammo can presses. The ammo can was like 30 pounds. You had to press it a certain amount of reps. Um, you had to do a buddy drag. So you're, it's just a person, you know, uh, legs crossed, arms crossed, and you have to drag them backwards. Yeah. And then you have to do a fireman carry where you put them over your shoulders. Mm-hmm. There were times when we had to do a bride carry where you carry someone in front of you. Um, so, so you can't get around that uh, if you're not doing some sort of strength training. Um, so it is, it was encouraged loosely, but nothing like, powerlifting um and uh in the military they they like specificity the old timers you're tested on your run your push-ups your pull you know pull-ups um etc sit-ups crunches um so just do that you know it's like there's other things you can do to improve those um yeah but uh i was in i eventually moved on to a special detail called the body bearer section so we were a platoon of marines all we did was perform funerals at Arlington cemetery where uh, fallen Marines are buried. And so we just did funerals and we carried caskets. You have to be big and very strong to carry those caskets and to perform a flawless funeral. So that detail, you were lifting weights every day, twice a day. Uh, So strength really was encouraged there, but outside of that in the normal Marine Corps, not so much. Uh, I don't think it's looked down upon, but if someone's getting gaining way too much weight and getting way too big and bulky and they can't run or they, you know, they can't uh, do this functional type of stuff, then it, it's, it is looked down upon from yeah, higher ups. Yeah. So, so when you moved on to more powerlifting based training within the military, who were your influences with regards to programming and starting to acquaint yourself with the process? The actual person, he was another Marine named Josh Clark. And we were standing post one night, 12 hours, 6 p.m. to 6 a.m. nonstop. You have 30 minutes uh, to eat to eat lunch uh, halfway between that. And there are times when you stand post by yourself at night. Um, it's, a, you, it's a lot of time to think to yourself, <laughs> uh, a lot of deep thinking. Yeah. And, uh, I think the origins of Untamed Strength started on those standing on those posts. But anyways, every once in a while, you'd be on a post. Uh, where you could stand with someone else. So it was you and another Marine. That was always great, usually for more senior Marines. And I stood post one night with him. Uh, He liked lifting weights. I liked lifting weights too. 
And uh, he was all about powerlifting. And so he told me all about it, and I really bought in. And uh, the first program that he gave me, he printed it out from the computer lab, was 531, Jim Wendler's 531. So that was the first program that I actually ran. Um, And so I was influenced by that. Uh, I didn't have many influences because I wasn't, the internet wasn't that big in, uh, you know, 2009, but it was also, um, I didn't have a, a smartphone or a computer. So yeah. sometimes I would go to the internet or I would go to the computer lab and look some stuff up. But, um, YouTube was biggest influence was, uh, was Elliot Hulse around like 2010. Yeah. Um, so I'd watch all of Elliot Hulse's strength camp videos and that's sort of, uh, what got me into strongman as well. Uh, mm-hmm. But biggest influence would be Josh Clark uh, and a buddy of his, his training partner was Carl Borges. So those two, Josh and Carl got me into, got me into this. And then from yeah. there, I would say guys like Jim Wendler, Elliot Hulse, and as well as Mark Ripito. I went on uh, Amazon and uh, I think at the time they just sold books too. That's all that Amazon was. But I went on Amazon and uh, uh, I typed in a book about, uh, strength training or book about barbell training or something like that. And starting strength came up. And so I bought that book starting strength. It was sent to me at the barracks and I read through it. And I was like, wow, this is like, uh, this is what I want to do. And so I totally bought into that. Um, and then eventually I've moved on to other programs that Mark Ripito wrote, like the Texas method. So those were definitely my biggest influences. I'd say at the start. Yeah, yeah. What was the first variation of five three one that you ran? Was it the the, the base variation? Yeah, I think it was the same one on T Nation. Yeah. Uh, just the it wasn't like five three one beyond. I never went past that. It was just the five three one, the five 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 three 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 five three one with those percentages yeah, yeah, that it yeah, yeah. It was yeah. that. Uh, yeah. and so that was the first, that was the first one that I did. And I, I still think it's up there on uh, tnation.com. The article yeah, yeah, he wrote, yeah. that was what, uh, was printed out for me. Yeah. I'm, and I'm it was my fan. first, my first concept of programming as well, because before I would just, uh, just go to the gym and kind of lift whatever weights I wanted, but to say, oh, wow. So there's structured days where I focus on this movement and, uh, I take a, a percentage of a training of a training max. Um, and there's a prog- uh, there's progression within the percentages. And so this is where I really learned about programming. Yeah. So, I mean, so that's quite the leap to go from 531 to start and strength. It's usually the other way around. So I had done Texas method, which is supposed to be a, a, uh, intermediate program. Yeah. Um, and I didn't really classify myself as like novice or intermediate or anything like that. But I think just, uh, Mark Ripito just has a way of speaking and writing that's very persuasive. Uh, and so as a young impressionable man, I really bought into it. Um, yeah, and he yeah, would say, yeah. you know, he would tout this program as like the best program ever got to do these fives, got to do it this way. And I was like, man, this guy's, uh, this guy's speaking to me. So I really bought in that program and it was a good program. I, I, yeah, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I, funny enough, I did that program when I was in just this rapid bulk in weight gain. And so I was just like, in just increasing weight on the bar as fast as I was gaining weight. So it was like, wow, this program is so potent. This is uh this is better than steroids. You know, this program <laughs> is so good, but it was because I was gained 50, 20 and then 40, 50 pounds of body weight. I gained 90 pounds of body weight in like two years. Um, <laughs> so anyways, but yeah, it was a good program at the time. Yeah. I like a lot of Mark and Jim stuff. I think I'm drawn towards old timer style writing which is it's quite masculine 
And I think, like, Mark, when you look at his uh, YouTube, he's quite a divisive character, which I'm always drawn to because always, I've always got a, a respect for people who speak their mind. I don't know if that's just because I'm getting older in life. It's something that I probably would never have gravitated towards in my 20s and early 30s. But now that I'm in my 40s, I, I, I've always got this respect for guys who don't give a fuck. They just say what they want and they do not care of the repercussions because when you actually look at starting strength, Back when you discovered starting strength, it was the be-all and end-all. But now that because everyone like tends to look at everything through a physique lens, it's kind of did a 180 in that respect. And it's became quite meme-worthy, as, as the younger gentlemen would say nowadays. But it has its merits because it, it was never a program which promoted building a physique. The, 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 the goal was in the title of the program. And I feel a lot of people lose that kind of that sight in some respects. They like to attack things, even though they're completely valid in some respects. So... Sorry. To, to touch on what you just said, I don't know if you were going to ask a question off that, but I think that, I think that uh, the internet has done, has done it. Uh, it's injustice or has, has led to this one. I think that you're attract you're drawn to these people who speak their mind because social media nowadays can be very fake. Um, uh, and so it's nice to, and it's refreshing to hear someone speak their mind. Um, but I think that this part of the downfall of starting strength has been, so many eyes on it and the internet, so many, so many opportunities to critique it and to challenge it. Um, and I think that at the core, maybe when Mark Ripito made this program and teach the, you know, the barbell lifts, it was, Hey, this is a good program. And, uh, this is the, this is a good way to lift. So it was great. Uh, but eventually there was challenge. Hey, uh, this looks like a good program, but what about this? Can I add this? What if I want abs? What if I want to increase the size of my arms? What about my pull-ups? What about this? What about that? And it just gets to be, just do the program. Just do the program. This is all you need. This is all you need. And it, so it just becomes very dogmatic because it's being challenged and so many questions are being asked about it that uh, he just kind of has buried himself into a hole to say, this is the only program you need. This is the best program. Nothing else even comes close. Where when it stood on its own, it was fine. But because it's been challenged and there's been so many eyes on it, uh, I think that that's um, made it meme worthy, like you said. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Which is but a shame. I interrupted you, so go ahead. No, 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 not at all. I'm glad you did because I wasn't going to ask a question. I was going to move on to something else, but I'm glad you said. But it, it, it's a shame in that respect because these things are valid. They've stood the test of time, but they get misconstrued because people, like you said, on social media, they have ulterior motives. People want to be... They want to create drama. They want to attack things because it's going to get them some traction and it just kind of develops this cycle of negativity, which is one of the reasons why I tend to keep away from the internet with regards to trying to like figure out training concepts nowadays because I just think it's became a battleground. In some respects, there's everyone's pushing the greatest technique. And the only technique that works is adherence, consistency, intensity. I think, like like you said, like 
There's millions of variations of 531, but you only did the first one and it worked because you buy into the concept. You believe in it. You don't question it. You just do the work. And if you do the work for a certain period of time, you're always going to bear fruit in that respect. Which leads me into my next question, that recently you have made a transition into more physique based training. What brought about that transition, Alan? I think that I'll be honest, even more than the the physique based training is just the style of training that I'm that I was attracted to. So it wasn't that I like, oh I I really want to get I really want to put an inch on my arms more than anything. <laughs> I really want these big, you know, B cup breasts or pecs, you know, like I don't I'm like, I'm not talking down on that, but that's, that is not the, uh, the main reason for making that adjustment. Uh, it was, it was more of, Oh, this style of programming looks like something I really want to do. Um, don't get me wrong. I, I do want to build more muscle in my upper body, um, uh, particularly, but, uh, but yeah, at the time that I made the adjustment, um, I was doing a lot of strongman training. I have been doing strongman training for years, years and years. And so not that it was becoming stale, um, but I thought, man, I'd, I'd like to, to try some other, something else, you know, uh, it was kind of the same thing with powerlifting. I was like, well, I'd like to try strongman for a little while. Um, and when I had seen on uh, natural hypertrophy on his YouTube channel, he was reviewing, um, some other bodybuilders routines and it just kind of opened my eyes. And I thought, man, this is a, this is not what I thought of when I thought bodybuilding routines, this looks like strength training, uh, barbell training, uh, with some bodybuilding mixed in, I guess a little more old school, if you will. Um, and, uh, so seeing these routines, I thought, I really like this. This looks like training that I would buy into. And I have to, I have to enjoy training in order for me to continue doing it. Um, and I think that that's one thing that I've done well is I don't just beat a dead horse. If I'm, I don't just do powerlifting over and over and over and over because I'm a powerlifter and that's what I'm supposed to do. Uh, if something tickles my fancy, I'm going to chase it, you know, like, Hey, I'm going to try this strongman stuff. I will always enjoy lifting weights and resistance training. So I don't think that's going anywhere, but as far as the approach and the structure and the layout, um, if I can learn and try different things and, and, and that still stay true to lifting weights, then I will. And so it would, that was the most appealing part of it was I like this program structure. This looks like something I would really enjoy. Um, and so that's why I had actually just, I made a video of me working out in planet fitness. Um, and, uh, I had mentioned in the video, yeah, I've been doing this style of training for the past couple of weeks since my last strongman competition. Um, I watched a couple of natural hypertrophy videos and liked some of the things he was saying. And, uh, so yeah, that's why I'm doing this. And he had commented and said, uh, if you want any help designing a program, let me know. And I said, Hey, that'd be great. And then he did. Um, so that was the main reason for it. Uh, when I do say that I'm doing bodybuilding training, people initially, uh, you know, look at me like they think I'm doing it competitively. Like you're going to, you're going to, are you going to get diet down and get on a stage and trunks and do posing and all that kind of stuff. And that's not that I have zero interest in doing that. Um, and that's another misconception. I thought bodybuilding was the competitive pursuit of bodybuilding on stage, but it's not, you don't have to do that. Bodybuilding can be a style of training. Um, and, uh, and seeing, seeing some, 
strength training involved, some uh, hypertrophy work involved, some calisthenics involved, all in that routine. I thought, uh, this isn't what I thought, but this looks uh, like something I could I could get into. And I'm really enjoying training more than uh, more than I would otherwise if I was still just doing strictly strongman stuff. So why do you think you're enjoying it a little bit more? I think uh, getting a, getting away of focusing so much on performance has been the biggest thing. So with powerlifting, I know the numbers that I'm supposed to hit in order to make progression. I know the numbers I've hit in the past. Um, so you have these expectations that yeah. uh, I have to hit this weight. Man, I've done 500 for this many reps. 350 is tough. 350 is hard. And so I'm yeah. I'm having this. Uh, this is a bad training session. It's a it is a bad relationship with lifting weights. And I wanted to take a break from that. If I'm doing bodybuilding, if I'm doing a, you know, some upright rows, or if I'm doing weighted pull-ups, or if I'm doing um, Romanian deadlifts, these are all movements that I don't have this emotional connection to, Yeah, but they're still brutally effective. So I can put everything I have into them, which I like. That's what I like about training is pushing myself. So I now have these new uh, goalposts, if you will, uh, these new challenges to get better at these. Um, and so it's nice and it's refreshing, um, rather than just squat bench deadlift. This is what I should be doing. If I'm not doing this, then it's a bad session or then I'm getting weaker. I'm regressing. Um, and building muscle is really just kind of secondary. It's a byproduct of me enjoying this new style of training. Yeah. Do you think that performance-based training brings a degree of anxiety with the process, knowing that you have to hit certain numbers, targets, and if you don't, then something is either regressing or your training's not going as well as it should. Absolutely. And because I own a gym, I see so many other people fall into this trap. And I just, I watch it from an outside point of view. And I'm just thinking, I'm just kind of shaking my head like, man, this is, you are so miserable in the gym. This is not why you got into lifting weights. And this is, this is a very bad look. For anyone observing you, any friends and family observing you, like you're just always hurting, you're always in pain, you're miserable, you hate training, you're a caffeine addict. Like it's just like this is not, this is not what I wanted. I want to be, you know. Uh, and and looking back on training when I first started, getting back to the roots, I just loved it. I enjoyed it so much, um, and I want I want to maintain that while I train. So I guess I just foresee dreading training, and I don't want to get to that point. Yeah. Um, uh, but as far as relieving some anxiety, yes. And I don't want to sound, you know, uh, too negative, but when I, when I really think about it and I don't want to sound, I don't want to make it seem like if anyone listening to this, who's chasing just purely strength, that that's a bad thing. Uh, but if I look at it, if my best deadlift is 600 pounds in order to get 610 pounds, I have to put in so much grueling work to get that small bump to get that 610 pound that 10 pound increase on my deadlift and does it what does it affect nothing at all nothing it is an arbitrary goal and i'm not saying that yeah. it's not you can you can't have goals but it doesn't make me a better person doesn't make me a better father it doesn't make me more muscular it doesn't make me any healthier it doesn't in fact chasing that might make me more prone injury, you know, uh, overuse. Yeah. Um, but I'm not, uh, I'm not in my health metrics. Don't improve. Nothing improves. It is just a small arbitrary goal. Um, and so 
so it's kind of like, why am I beating my head against the wall in order to, to get this 10 pound increase? Yeah. Whereas I can take a step back. I can enjoy training. I can do some new movements and get some benefit. One, I'm happier. I'm not as, you know, anxious about my, my workouts. I look forward to working out. So I'm in that sense, I am a better person, a better man, a better father to my family. Uh, it is not as mentally exhausting. I yeah. don't spend as much time in the gym just to do one movement. Uh, so I have more time for other things. Uh, my son's here. Hi, Benji. Um, I'm talking, I'm on the phone right now. Um, but, uh, he just got back from school, but, uh, yeah. So, and so it was that, that kind of realization that, man, this is, uh, is this really worth it? Like get killing myself for these extra 10 pounds. Um, yeah. 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 So that was, that was a big reason for it too. You said something really interesting there though. And it was when you initially started training in that powerlifting style or like strongman and you were just going into it and enjoying the training process. And do you not think that that's what's taking place right now as you're doing the more bodybuilding style training? Because ultimately there's going to come a point when you are going to build that muscle, that extra two, three, five pounds of muscle. And then you're going to have to work a shit ton harder to start accumulating grams of muscle. But, that's something that isn't even tangible at this point. You don't see it. Mm -hmm. So would that not start to bring a, a darker level of more insidious stress? It's a, it's a very good question. And I, the way I think about that is right now I am trying to, so we just muscle bone density, physical ability. It's inevitable. It will start to decline as we're much older. Right. So I'm okay. thinking about, uh, just, will you stay back please? I'm thinking about just <laughs> adding to my piggy bank right now. I'm trying to get as much muscle as I can. Yeah. As much bone density. Yeah. As much heart health, cardiovascular ability. Yeah. Uh, I'm trying to build all that up as much as I can so that I have yeah. more, uh, later on. And so, yeah. uh, if I'm more muscular at 30, I will be more muscular at 40, more muscular at 50 and so on. Um, yeah. So I think of it in that sense and long-term uh, that the more I do now, the more I can do later. I am not going to just kind of skate through. And then by the time I'm 60, say, wow, I need to really start taking better care of myself. Uh, I want to do as much as I can right now. Um, and yes, there is that, that aspect of once I get to that same predicament with building muscle, um, what will I do then? And I don't know. Uh, yeah. Maybe I won't be so tied to how much muscle I have. And I'll say, you know, I really like uh, running uh, more. So I'm going to try to push that more and just kind of put lifting weights on the back burner. But I think one thing I have going for me is I genuinely love lifting weights. So it is not, I don't have to give myself a pep talk every morning to say, you need to, you got to get to the gym. You got to stick with this routine. You got to stick yeah. with the plan. I want so bad to do this. So I'm going to make it happen. And not everyone has that. Yeah. Um, so I'm going to, whether or not, if you were to tell me, hey, you're not going to uh, increase your any of your numbers uh, for the next 10 years, I'd say, okay, I'm not going to stop lifting. I'll, I'm still going to keep doing it. Um, yeah. uh, and it's the same with muscle. So if I get to that point, uh, it is what it is. I enjoy lifting. And then all of the side effects, all of the things that come from it, building muscle, physical ability, strength, uh, I do think of that as sort of a byproduct. Yeah. But, uh, Alan, why do we love lifting weights? 
because ultimately it's it's manual labour. We're moving heavy weight from A to B. In some contexts, we would avoid this. But when it comes to iron, we willingly accept it and we throw ourselves into the process. But why? I think that it is such a strong part of me, who I am and my identity. Yeah. Um, and so I, uh, yeah, I think that's one of the biggest reasons. And for me, it is my, it is my me time. It is my alone time away yeah. from family, away from everyone else. And some people like to spend that time, uh, hiking in the woods or, uh, doing yoga. I just, my, my, uh, my therapy of choice or my me time of choice is lifting weights. Yeah. Um, and, uh, as far as being so strongly tied to my identity, I, I do think some of it has to do with me being a middle child. I have two older brothers and two younger brothers and my parents gave me plenty of attention, but growing up, my two older brothers were getting into a lot of trouble. And so they yeah. demanded a lot of attention from my parents. Uh, I was a very good child. Uh, I was into sports. I had straight A's. Um, and so I think that lifting weights, I was lifting weights and doing sports and doing well at whatever I was doing, um, was my way of sort of standing out. I was also a little bit afraid of what my brothers were doing. And I thought, I don't want to do that. I don't want to, I don't want to go down that road. Yeah. Um, and so it has been such a strong identity with physical, whether it was playing football or skateboarding or lifting weights, whatever it was, I always wanted to stand out in that sense. And I know this sounds really bad, but there is part of me that, uh, I, I believe that I am, I should, okay, I'll, I'll rephrase it, uh, in my head. I am a better person for doing this, for lifting weights than I would be if I didn't. And so that yeah. makes me feel good. Um, and so I, I remind myself that I guess, and I think that that's so ingrained in me that it will yeah. never stop. And like I yeah. said, I've never taken, I've never taken more than a week off of training. And the week off was because it, it had to happen. Um, uh, it was my honeymoon. But uh, other than that, um, I've never taken time off of training because I don't want to. I never yeah. want to take time off training because I love it so yeah. much. Whereas yeah. some people have to really dig down deep and find some intrinsic motivation to work out. I don't have that. So I'm fortunate enough that I'm going to do it for as long as I am around. Yeah. So what age are you, Alan, if you don't mind me asking? I'm 34. 34 okay so what do you think the, the next phase of your training will be for the most part when you start to move into your 40s i don't foresee it changing um i have never there's not been one point in my life when uh, i guess uh you know in the past two decades well i shouldn't say that maybe since i was since i joined the marine corps um there's not been one point of my life where i've said i'm just not really into this lifting weights thing uh, there's, I've added things to it like running, but I've yeah. just, uh, I really enjoy lifting weights. There's been, I want a powerlifting focus. I want a bulking focus. I want to lose some weight. I want to do strongman. I want to do bodybuilding. I want to do Olympic weightlifting, but it's always been lifting weights and resistance training in particular. Um, yeah. so I don't think that's going anywhere. And if it yeah. does, then so be it. I'm willing to accept it. I know, and I don't, I'm not influenced by anyone else. Once I feel inside of me, man, I really don't like this lifting weights thing. Um, I'm, I'm going to stop. I'm going to do something else. I don't think that'll ever happen, but yeah. Um, yeah. so, so who knows? Uh, and now, like I said, there might be a time when, um, I want to get more into running or I want to get more into whatever, 
whatever sport. Uh, I'll lean into that. Um, I think there still will be a part of me who knows that there are health benefits to lifting weights or there are health benefits to resistance training, could be body weights, body weight training. And so I will always do that in some capacity. I don't think I'm ever going to just say, yeah, I don't need muscle. I don't need bone density. I don't need tendon health. Forget that. I'll always do that. But as far as how much lifting, I think it'll always be the, you know, my prayer, primary form of exercise. Yeah. Yeah. No, that makes sense. Like the weights will always form the foundation of your structure of training. Yeah. So and in fact, I, I met a guy this weekend that we did a seminar at my gym and yeah. uh, he was learning a barbell overhead press. And he said, I'm a kettlebell guy. Uh, and you know, I'll, I'll try the barbell stuff cause that's what was being taught. But he said, uh, honestly, I don't think I'm ever gonna touch a barbell again. I just don't really care for it. I just like kettlebells and man, 10 years ago, I would have been like, wow, oh, you're a loser. You're wasting your time. What are you <laughs> kettlebells? You got it. Barbells are the only way to go, but yeah, man, that's totally fine. It's good that you are self-aware enough to say, I really like doing kettlebell training. I'm going to keep with it. I don't like yeah. doing barbell training instead of yeah. buying into people saying, you know, uh, you're wasting your time if you're not doing barbell training, blah, blah, blah. Yeah. I think the only hard truths with that are you should do some sort of resistance training. You need to mechanically load your muscles in some way. Yeah. Yeah. You should do some cardio beyond that. Your method of how you want to do that, your mode of transportation is up to you. Yeah. I, th I think that's part of the maturing process. I think that dogma is the scourge of the young in that respect. The younger you are, the more dogmatic you tend to be. And that's not just with weights, it's with music, it's with films. This is the, the music that you need to listen to. This is the, the style of film, it's everything. But yeah. as mother nature takes hold, you start to mellow out a little when uh, yes. <laughs> becoming a father in that respect. So yeah. listen, anyway, Alan, I know you're a busy man and thanks very much for coming on. It's, it's been a great chat. It's been absolutely fascinating. So, ladies and gentlemen, that was the one and only YouTube fitness OG, <laughs> Alan Throw. Thank you very much, Alan. Thank you very much. I hope we can do a, a part two. I would uh, say let's keep going, but my Mac is telling me that it's about to shut down. Uh, so I'm glad. I'm glad that the the, the battery lasted. Uh, but yeah, thank you. Great conversation, uh, and I really like the flow of it. It was very comfortable. So thank you. Okay, if you can just stay on for a second before yep. I turn the, the computer off.